0: you're listening to the business of pharmacy podcast with me your host mike kelzer mike for those who haven't come across you online introduce yourself and tell our listeners what we're talking about today
1: so my name is Mike Corvino. Um, I'm a clinical pharmacy specialist um, with ambulatory care in a federally qualified health center down in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, I'm also uh, an adjunct professor for the physician assistant program at Charleston Southern University. So I teach all of their pharmacology, pharmacotherapy. And then uh, my, my fun job, if you will, is uh, I'm the host of the Core Consult Rx podcast, um, and uh, as well as you know, I run the social media platforms associated with all that. and uh, so, I do a little bit of everything. Um, today, we are going to focus on something I think that I'm pretty passionate about, and that's kind of opening doors, you know, so to speak, for your career and kind of making sure that you don't get stuck in something that could potentially uh, be not as um, enjoyable or desirable of a position or, or job as it once was, and just making sure that opportunity is kind of available when you need it to be.
0: So, when you talk about opportunity available when you need it to be that leads me to believe that taking the opportunity is not necessarily the end goal that's not necessarily the the money maker at the end explain that
1: this is for me personally i know everybody's kind of different some people who you know do really well with having a very goal oriented approach i'm just not that's not my personality and so for me it was really starting core consult and all that kind of stuff ultimately was just a way of kind of keeping myself accountable to like ensure that I was keeping up with the clinical data that was coming out and keeping my knowledge fresh. And so for me, it wasn't even really a thought of Can I monetize or, you know, what's the end game with all this? It was really just initial – I didn't even expect anybody to listen to my podcast initially. It was really just to kind of – I knew if I put it out in the public, I wouldn't want to kind of go back and do it for a month and be like, oh, never mind, too hard. And so I I just – Did it for my own self because I knew that I would keep doing it if I had it, you know, come out in the public and said I'm going to do this. If nothing else, just for my own, you know, ego or something. But um, that really was ultimately what it was. So I never, I had the luxury of not having to worry so much about the monetization aspect of it. I just kind of figured that if I tried different avenues and and said yes to whatever I could, um, that that would ultimately end up in different you know, with different doors opening and things like that. And then when I started seeing like some opportunities that were, you know, coming about because of core console, that's when I started realizing, Oh, this could actually be something. And, you know, so then I just kind of ramped it up even more. And it's sort of been a snowball effect since then.
0: You're independently wealthy. You don't have to have a job and you get to sit home all day and play with the podcast is that right
1: oh it's just spot on no <laughs> i wish
0: um you've got a job so why in the hell are you doing a podcast then people will ask
1: and a lot of people have since that you know in the beginning when i was first starting all this that you know and this this was you know early on when i was barely in my opinion barely doing anything with it um, compared to what it is now you know it was like oh you're gonna burn yourself out you're gonna do this you're gonna do that the problem is burnout in general for in the anyone in, you know, the medical field, especially is a very real mm. thing anyway. So it's not like I wasn't really all that worried about that aspect of it. I mean, it's so many people will complain about burnout. And to me, I, I've that's I love I'm very fortunate to the fact that I love, you know, anything to do with pharmacotherapy, pharmacology. So for me, it's not I'm not as worried about the burnout aspect, because there's just an endless supply of stuff you could keep learning and, you know, you can kind of play the game forever, so to speak. Um, But that's, you know, again, me personally, just because I have those interests. um, I'm just a big nerd. But um, when I was thinking about, you know, the kind of why going about doing this, really, it started off with a comment somebody made when I was a fourth year student at MUSC. Um, It was a a pharmacist that I was, you know, kind of uh, working with as a an intern technician whatever you want to say you know, you know just in a retail setting and I, I was talking about something i had learned on rotation that day or whatever and the pharmacist kind of made a comment like and didn't even mean anything negative by it just kind of blanket statement said i uh, realize, oh, it's you know i'm glad you're having so much fun like really enjoy this time because this is kind of this the smartest you'll ever feel and mm. I, don't, I don't know why i mean because it's it's pretty absurd comment but I guess I for whatever reason it just really stuck with me and I was like I mean that that I never want to be that person I'm like I'm like yeah. oh, could you imagine like and I've used this analogy in other Talks and stuff, but I'm like, could you imagine if you went to a you know your surgeon's uh your, your office or appointment or whatever, and the, the surgeon who's going to perform surgery and you was like, Man, I just wish I was as good as I was back in medical school. Like, we would this I'd be like, That you'd be like, Who what, this guy's a lunatic, right? And so, I'm like, How in the heck can a pharmacist get away with saying that? Like, a dentist wouldn't say that, like, no, we're like the only healthcare professional that could ever utter that you know phrase. So, it's. That bothered me. And then I started, you know, you start listening to more people complain, and, you know, as people like to do. And uh, I started hearing all these people talk about their burnout. And so, of course, you know, that's why they're giving me all this burnout advice yeah. because that's how they feel. Um, and so I just was like, man, I, I have got to make sure that the second I feel you know, less than happy this job that I'm in or whatever I end up doing that I can jump and do something else completely different if I need to and, and not feel trapped or like that I'm stuck because that's how I feel burnout really truly happens. Um, and so that's kind of what started the whole thing. And like I said, I I really started the the podcast and all that as a way of just almost like accountability to myself to keep making sure that I was staying up with information and all that. And just kept going from there.
0: Mike, anybody else that is, going to learn something you know they'll do it with a magazine on the counter they don't feel a need to create a podcast what was it in your personality that you thought the podcast was the method for you to stay up on things
1: to be honest, it wasn't even the podcast at first. It was actually because I started off with posting like you know just drug updates or new research yeah. on Instagram and yeah. Facebook, and then you know I, I was started my podcast I guess the f- January of twenty eighteen, but I had already been doing the quote unquote core consult thing on social media probably for like six months up until that and. I just kind of saw how many people, I mean, podcasting has been around for a a quick minute now, but it just feels like in 2017, 18, people kind of had like this resurgence of like listening to podcasts again. And Mm -hmm. it, I was like, well, you know, I wanted to go where the attention was as far as the listeners and people paying attention to my content. And so I was getting some success with Instagram. It's, you know, very, very little, you know, success, but little, some followers and things like that. And so I was like, well, I just kind of, natural progression into a podcast i i have a tendency and you mentioned personality i do have a tendency i must admit to kind of get um when i really like something i get a little obsessed with it and hmm. always i'm trying to like improve on it or get better at it and so when i started doing some of the stuff with you know making videos for you know instagram and things i realized like um one i'm pretty terrible at you know doing this recording thing and, and learning and all this that, that, that goes along with it. And so I wanted to get better at that. And then it was just kind of, a you know, I was like, well, I can do more long form, you know, conversations and, and actually explain some things more in depth, you know, with these people who are already looking at my little snippets on Instagram and Facebook. So I figured it would just kind of, you know, do, you know, be a little another avenue for people who learn, uh, by more, you know deeper context and so uh yeah. yeah it just kind of went from there and then it, it we started off with a 25 usb cheap mic and then um and then i feel like every week it was like what can i do to improve this what kind of you know equipment can we get what can i learn how to do as far as editing or whatever and it just kind of <laughs> continued on from there
0: if you're like me when and i've done like let's say blog posts in the past and so on and even today like i was i was using the word I thought I was going to use the word swarmy. And and in my mind, swarmy meant kind of like, oh, just kind of like thick, like laying it on, you know, kind of of fake and so on. So I said, hmm, I better check that word out. So I looked it up and it's not even a damn word. The (laughs) word is smarmy, I think, with an M, smarmy. And the point is like whenever I had to do something on a blog or the podcast, you know, If I'm going to think of something, I know the world or, you know, in my mind, the world is probably, you know, my wife in the car and our dog listening or something like that. When I know the world's going to hear it, it forces me to really organize that. And I'm sure you've done some of that too with your show that it's like, all right, I could read this, but if I'm going to regurgitate this out, not only regurgitate, but I mean, if I'm going to put this out under my name and my, my concept here, it better be right and so right that I'm able to communicate it out again.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, with that whole expression of the best way to learn something is by teaching it, you know, that's been something everybody kind of says for forever, but it is really is true. And I mean, if you are preparing con, you know, content to be able to go out to the public, whether it's audio or video or whatever, uh, yeah, you end up putting that time into the research to make sure it's good. Cause you know, it's going to be scrutinized I means the internet. They're going to, you, when you do something bad, yeah. they're going to be the first people to tell you about it. And, um, that's right. It, it's so, and so it's something that, Yeah, you end up putting that time in. And when you put that time in, obviously, you end up learning the material better. And that's what ultimately led to me, you know, teaching and doing that kind of thing as well. Um, But it was like practice, you know, it started off with the podcast and doing things just kind of for fun. Now it's turned into part of my career.
0: Someone looks from the outside and says, well, I'm never going to do something like Mike's doing because I have a full time job. Well, so do you. And so do I. Mm hmm. What would you tell somebody if they use that as their first entry into why they can't do something?
1: It depends on, I guess, what their what ultimately will bring them happiness. Because mm. I personally, and I tell every one of my students this when they come on rotation with me, you know, I'll ask them like, "What are you interested in?" And you know, I kind of explain the things that I'm involved with, not just at the clinic, but teaching and the podcasts and yada yeah. yada. And and I'll basically tell them like. You know, do you tell me what you are the most interested in, and we can spend time doing that. We'll obviously dabble in some of the other stuff too, but I don't ever try to push like my work. I have a horrible, horrible work life balance, and and so I, I don't try to push that on anybody because I think that a lot of people would be miserable if they worked the hours that I work uh, now. At the same time, if somebody's coming to me and complaining about the position that they're in or afraid of being being in and not being able to move and, and transition or not have certain opportunities, and then their next sentence is, But I also don't have time to blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Well, which one is it? You mm. know, one of the greatest, almost honest things a student ever told me one time, I've used him as an example multiple times. So if he ever hears this, he's gonna be like, What the heck, man? Um, but uh, I had a student one time that, you know, I was kind of giving my rah rah speech about because it's a I used to be a lot more gung-ho about yeah, everyone needs a side hustle and this, that, and the other. And then he said to me something, yeah. I was kind of giving him my rah rah nonsense. And then he said, uh, you know, maybe totally honest with you. I hope this doesn't make me sound like a slack or anything, but you know, I, I want to do a good job as a pharmacist, but I really want to just kind of work. He's from a small town. He's like, I'm going to work in an independent pharmacy and I'm, I'm going to be okay with that. I'm going to enjoy that. I want to do a good job, but ultimately I want to just want to make enough money so that I can go surf whenever I want to. And you know, kind of yeah. that, that's what his ultimate thing in life was, was surfing and, and being at the beach and thing. And I'm, I am I realized at that point, I'm like, well, I, I shouldn't be giving this kid the same advice I would give my clone sitting in front of me because my life would make him ter yeah. like he would be he would be burned out in five seconds. He would hate it. And where vice versa, if I had to like the thought of only doing it in a pharmacy like content or whatever time my career just so that I can go surf and spend time at the beach um, gives me like anxiety because I'm like, oh my God, I would feel like yeah. I, I, I it used to bother me taking an actual vacation. And so I've gotten better at it, but it used to literally give me like anxiety when I think about going on vacation because I'm like, somebody's going to come and, you know, who's who's grinding harder than I am and it's going to outwork me because I'm goofing off at yeah. the beach. and. You know, I've had to reel myself in a little bit, uh, but yeah, I I think it ultimately depends on what the person's kind of end goal is with, you know, themselves and their career. You know, you have to, if you choose like his path with the, you know, wanting to surf and all that, you also have to take into consideration as, you know, hey, if something happens and dispensing pharmacy goes away and the technology changes as it ultimately will, um, you kind of made the bed of um, kind of pigeonholed into this thing and and you got to deal with those consequences. But ultimately, I don't think based on getting to know him better, so I don't think that would be an issue. I think he would just adapt and go from there. Um, and vice versa, like if somebody really wants to do like what I'm doing with different opportunities and in you know different areas of you know pharmacy all at the same time, like it's gonna take a lot of effort in the beginning, especially to get things going because, a lot of people have microphones and cameras and all that. And, you yeah, know, it's just one of those things that you can't expect it to, to just jump on it. And then a, a week later, everybody cares, you know.
0: When people talk about side hustles and that, I can see someone saying, well, screw you. My side hustle was pharmacy school. I just spent, you know, seven, eight years in this. I don't want or need an extra goal. I just completed my goal. But I think what you always have to ask is when you look out at your... Peers, and you decide where your peer level is, and most pharmacists are going to think that their peer level is other pharmacists. Well, then to take that next step, whatever that next step is, that's where either the extra initials behind your name come in or some side hustles. So it depends where your peer level starts.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Or, or you know what again going back to like what their end goal is if is it to be more financially independent is it to do something that you just feel like a sense of accomplishment but also had a really good job you know time doing it then it doesn't even have to be in the thing that you do for a living like i could easily have started a podcast on you know mixed martial arts and yeah. you know grappling and all that stuff like that and that would have been fun i don't think i could do it to the same extent that i like pharmacotherapy and all that and especially with the content you know available and all that yeah um, but if I, if I was already feeling like burned out from my job and just didn't have that interest that I that I do I would I would probably have picked a different topic that I yeah. was passionate about so I, that's the other thing as I always remind people it doesn't have to be exactly the way like i did i'm just like i said earlier i'm blessed that i find so much interest in my career because um, i think that's kind of a rare thing nowadays and so it's something that when i go home from work when i start working the podcast it doesn't feel like i'm working on stuff that i did at work it feels completely different even though they're both medical related
0: i tend to be the same way it's like if i don't do something you know even though Pharmacy was a goal, and my business is a goal, and all that. If I don't do something marching towards something else, at least for a while during the day, I feel I feel yeah. like like it doesn't feel right to me. if I haven't pushed hard, and, and often it's not pushing the same thing because then it just feels like more work, but it's pushing something beyond.
1: Yeah, and that that feeling of like purpose, I think, is super important.
0: I think that's right. Someone told me one time, when you're in a pharmacy, you go in and the building in the, and it looks like A, you know? And when you leave, it looks like A, you know? And that's one of the, my favorite times in life was when I redid my basement back when I had more energy, you know? And I would just stand there day after day. And you know, if I was working on it for like three hours at night, I had to factor in like a half hour at night just to stand there in awe of myself. (laughs) of my work because it looks different. So when you when you come into A you leave as a B and the next day it comes in a B it leaves as a C and mm-hmm. so we don't have that in pharmacy and so it's nice to have well frankly you know the podcast as you see numbers come in and episodes go up and you're marching through the week getting out the episodes and so on. That's uh that's something that sometimes it's something that always moves forward and doesn't move backwards because of a management decision or you know some insurance screwing things over
1: yeah absolutely and, and i think that's a big issue with like dispensing pharmacy in general is, is that's where a lot of that comes from is everything's just it gets monotonous and yeah. you'll see some different things here and there but you know that's where i'm again kind of feel pretty blessed to work in like a clinical setting with you know where basically i have like you know collaborative practice So i have like provider status basically and i see different stuff every single day and every day it's like oh what you know what's gonna happen what kind of crazy yeah. disease state i'm gonna have to deal with or consult right. on and it keeps it fresh and so i think that's important is to find that whatever that looks like you know for somebody And if, if retail or dispensing is where you're, st- you're stuck that's where the side hustle can really help kind of fill that void
0: all right so people hear the side hustle and back to you mike they talk about the podcast and a lot of people are thinking of coming home at, you know, whatever, six o'clock, seven o'clock, having dinner, plopping down, then they're done. Where are you getting the time? What time are you doing outside of work to do these things?
1: So it depends, I mean, on what's going on and, and all that. So it's kind of variable. And I've gotten a lot better at you know, making time to relax or whatever then, you know, compared to where I was back in like 2018. Um, but I think it depends on where you're at in the process as well is, you know, like when I first started, when I graduated pharmacy school in 2015, uh, it was, I didn't actually, my entire like PTO, um, you know, i my pay time off. Like it was allotted to me from 2015 to 2018. I I guess it was May 2018. So it's like three years exactly, basically. I be, I used completely on going to volunteer at clinics or like like helping with lectures or in labs and things like that, just so I could continue to learn and continue to you know educate myself and, and things. I didn't do anything like. "Quote unquote fun," and then on my days off, because I was working like 14-hour shifts at um, a dispensing pharmacy at the time, and so on my days off, because I had more days off during the week than I uh, nine-to-five would, and uh, I would same thing. I would go and I'd go to like the resident um, halls, and and if they were having a topic discussion on cardiovascular disease or whatever, I'd just go sit in the back and listen. And like I, I got the schedule for like all the journal clubs and all that, that, that and the other, and I just would go do that on my, on my free time. Days that I worked um, and then when my schedule changed to like nine to five like it is now, um, it was just kind of auditing my time and figuring out where I can spare some moments or where I can do this and do that. And I, I came home with... F- at five and my wife doesn't get off work until nine, um, then I'm going to spend those four hours or just or three hours or whatever it is, at least going through, you know, as much stuff as I can for the podcast or whatever. And then there's definitely times where, you know, and I, sh- I always hesitate to say this cause I don't want I don't ever want to advocate, you know, sleeping less or anything like that. Cause sleep is super, super important from a healthcare standpoint, as well as, you know, everything else. And so I, I am. I always hesitate to say this because I don't. I'm, this is not something I'm advising. But because I'm spread so thin, um, one of my kind of like just habits, and I would say a bad habit probably at this point, is uh, every Monday night. So tonight, for example, um, I, I end up staying up all night and trying to get as much stuff knocked out while the house is quiet. And I've just done that for like three years now.
0: What does all night mean?
1: Like I don't go to sleep oh, <laughs> throughout, <laughs> like throughout the night.
0: Now wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh-huh. You get home at five on Monday night.
1: And I don't go to sleep until Tuesday night.
0: And you're not going to sleep tonight.
1: Right. And again, I'm, I'm saying because I know I, like, it sounds terrible. And I, again, I'm not advocating for that. It's just um, something that I'm and I know it's probably it's not good for me or anything like that. But I'm going to put I'm willing to make that, uh, you know, the decision and the decision knowing that hopefully i'll be able to get some of these things accomplished um that i need to get accomplished and that's why i said i'm very particular about not recommending that because i know it's not a good idea
0: i'm gonna ask you one word Mm -hmm. to tell me why you're gonna stay up all night until tuesday night you get one word to tell me what's the driving force behind that obsessed obsessed
1: I I want this, you know, core consult thing. I want it to do as well as it can and I want to be, I want to leave a legacy in the world of medicine and pharmacy, pharmacotherapy, and I will do anything I need to do with the exception of, you know, I put my wife first, but other than that, I will do anything and everything to, to myself or whatever I need to do to accomplish that goal, even if it means not sleeping as much as I probably should.
0: All right. Now, let's go on the other side there, the goal. We talked about core consult and obsession and so on. With that obsession of saying, I want to do this, what does this look like in 30 years? What is the this that you're obsessed with?
1: To be honest, I don't even really have a... A true like definition of that, like I, when I say, I guess the example I always think of is I had a professor, um, his name is uh, Wayne Wert, um and he's in his early seventies now, and he's one of the most accomplished pharmacotherapy specialists, PharmDs that's ever lived, and he's some he's somebody that you know he's in his seventies and still speaks, you know, especially prior to COVID, was speaking like. 150 days plus out of the year at every conference you can imagine. Um, he just um, received. He's the first pharmacist in history, as of this year, to get um, a uh, award from the American um, College of Physicians. And the the one of the precursors or uh, prerequisites rather is to you have to be a physician to get this award. And they literally voted and made a An exception to the rule, just because to give him this, because he's won every other award in academia and pharmacy that is allotted to pharmacists, and they just they needed to they wanted to present him with something that was like a true honor. And he's touched so many people's lives. He's 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 helped so many students. He helped me out tremendously in my career. And I think you know when I look at someone like him, and he's also one of the most humble people you'll ever meet nicest guy I've ever talked to. And when I see someone like him, I'm like he he changed like the game almost when it comes to like he sh- he showed what a true clinical pharmacist could do and it was something that when he decided to do be a clinical pharmacist there was no like cl- there wasn't a clinical pharmacist to like you know that position at that time that was like a thing he in fact he, he always quotes um, when he when he was like I guess you know undergrad level he had told a pharmacist that he knew at the time um, you know that what that his he, he was gonna be a pharmacist but he was gonna do it in uh, a clinical pharmacist to like educate providers on medication and pharmacotherapy and the guy asked him he's like you know you smoking pot boy why are you uh, why do you think that's not a real thing for pharmacists and he's like I just I, what I'm gonna do and he he went and he was one of the first people to like kind of take on that role and um, had an amazing career and still does. he retired like several years ago and still goes to the the college of pharmacy pretty much five days a week I, I guess he doesn't truly understand how retirement works but uh they just let him keep his office and everything he still goes and yeah he made such an impact on me that i'm like if i can work towards being any sort of you know uh, like like I guess end goal it would be to emulate his career and, and and add something to the world of pharmacy at the end of the day
0: and that's a noble goal is the goal then I'm just digging mm-hmm. is the goal then the obsession is it to and I know he's just one example, is it to emulate that kind of impact or is it that actual impact of clinical pharmacy or don't you know yet what specific area you want to impact? Is that still to be discovered?
1: I, I want to impact, you know, pharmacotherapy in general, not necessarily mm. like one like disease state or like yeah. research on one drug or anything, but the the way that Pharmacotherapy is taught, the way that pharmacotherapy is kind of thought about as far as like the true understanding behind what's going on with all, yeah. all the you know, medications and, and management whatsoever. Uh, it's, so it's something that, yeah, I, I, again, I have a hard time even kind of articulating what my end goal is. Um, yeah. Just Because, like I said, I just want to be able to, like, make an impact and and leave a legacy on the world of pharmacy, whether that's in a specific state, you know, disease state or in academia or whatever that may look like. And to be honest with you, as long as it's impactful, I'm not going to be disappointed. Um, And and really, my whole thing is I'm having so much fun doing, uh, like, already on this journey to begin with, that that's really what it's all about is it's – the thought of getting and working towards something that could potentially take me 40 years to get to, like that, yeah. that to me is pretty cool. Like, I like that because I get bored easily with certain things. And yeah. there's the, you could spend the next 40 years trying to learn as much as you can about pharmacotherapy and then realize you've barely scratched the surface. And yeah. it, to me, that's exciting to me. Like, that's that mountain that I get to climb forever and until it's time to punch the clock.
0: Do you have any metrics? that kind of get you excited whether it's podcast listeners uh, responses on linkedin your own knowledge you found out that you know something now you didn't know two years ago what kind of metrics do you have what kind of things right now if any kind of fire up that dopamine a little bit in you?
1: honestly my only true metric that i really care about is do I find happiness in what I'm doing? Um, hmm. As far as the the numbers and the listeners and all that one, I've always tried to keep everything in perspective. You know, when I would get a hundred downloads on an episode of a bit of a podcast that I put out, hmm. I mean, by podcasting standards, that's like nothing, but if you think about a hundred people like in a room, like that's, (laughs) that's what I say. That's preposterous that a hundred people would give a crap about what I have to say.
0: That's exactly what I say.
1: So to me, I'm like, I've always thought about that. I mean, we were, when we started getting, you know, multiple people downloading the episodes, I was like, wow, like, this is insane to me that people, like, I can't imagine with I'm like, you guys have nothing going on if you're listening to my nonsense. And so <laughs> I, it, that always just blew my mind that people are like, you know, a yeah. hundred people follow you on Instagram. It's like a hundred people give a crap about what I have to say about yeah. whatever. It, that to me was like huge. I mean, I'd be happy if five people had cared about what I had to say right and so I never really worry too much about the metrics and things because I mean now you know we'll get 25,000 downloads a month and um, you know I know and we're in like just about I think we're only there's only like 30 countries that our podcast is not like downloaded in monthly and so it's crazy to think about how the, the the reach now and like the people I get to interact with and stuff but I still always go back I mean that's that to me seems absurd now that 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 many people are listening, let alone, you know, I've always just been, I was excited at the point when a few people were listening. So it's just all been icing on the cake as far as that goes. And, and yeah, I I just, I've had such a good time with doing, you know, with building this that as far as the, you know, financial metrics or things like that, it, it was like, once, once, you know, I made six figures, which most pharmacists will. It's like, I I have plenty of stuff. I don't need, you know, I feel very comfortable. Um, My wife's a pharmacist, so we live very comfortably. I'm not worried about things financially, and we have that luxury of, of feeling that. So, I don't need to make any more money. We've definitely you know as a result of all this have, have been able to make a lot more, but it's it wasn't something I needed either and it's not like if I if I couldn't have that anymore, that my life would just be ruined. So it wasn't the yeah. really money that was driving it to begin with. Um it's nice. I you know I like that we can you know buy nice cars yeah. or whatever. But it's great, but um you know it's not it wasn't a driving factor and so I really just I never really had any expectations of it was just for me it was just to keep making sure that i'm learning and and yeah it I definitely feels That dopamine release, like you said, you know, whenever I am explaining, you know, a concept of evidence-based medicine or pharmacotherapy and I can see like in a student or another provider's like that light bulb moment, like I love that feeling. And so the more that I learn, the more of those type of moments I can have because I ultimately at the end of the day like educating. And so that kind of continues to bring me happiness, which again, like I said at the beginning, is kind of my only real metric that I care about. And everything else is just icing on the cake.
0: My wife and I were driving yesterday and we're going down the highway and I've played her parts of my podcast before, you know, and we're going down the highway and I kind of out of the blue, she said, I listened to 15 minutes of your podcast. And I said, I said, why'd you do that? She said, well, I was exercising and it, I was listening to something and it came on as a, as the next thing. So I said, oh, okay, yeah, that's interesting. And I said, uh, how'd you like it? She said, it's that's okay. She said, <laughs> she said, you know, in the 15 minutes you talked about stuff that probably could have been covered in about, you know, 10 seconds. And I said, Yeah. And then I told her, you know, my mission from the very start, and I have this written right in my podcast, it's it's to be interesting and entertaining Mm -hmm. you know and i knew that and that comes just sometimes from conversations why do people watch late night tv you know you don't learn something new why do people watch movies you know it's just sometimes something to do and what i think it does and mike i'm guessing this is your listeners too that a lot of times i listen to stuff i already know i'll watch a documentary on something that I'm already fairly comfortable with. I'll read the Pharma book on stuff that I kind of know already. And you read financial advice that you kind of already know. I think sometimes the podcasts and what we're putting out and maybe what we're listening to gives a sense of community or a sense of, yeah, I'm part of that group. And it just sort of is comforting to know that, yeah. I understand what they're saying and it means I'm still maybe a part of something.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I also like it that from a podcasting standpoint specifically, I'm, I'm not like the cookie cutter pharmacy student, like back you know when I was in school and I wasn't necessarily even a really good student, to be honest. I like learning. I love learning, but I like doing it kind of on my terms, so to speak. I'm a very yeah. like kinetic learner. And so when one of the things that I kind of was thinking about when I was first kind of talking through like, you know, the podcast and stuff like that was I want it to be higher level, like pharmacotherapy and evidence-based medicine, but like with a coffee shop, very relaxed vibe. Cause I feel like, especially when it comes to medical education, everything's very stereotypical, like, and it's getting a lot better, but I feel like for it's for so long, it's just been like, you have to stand a certain way and talk a certain way. And this is not how I, I'm not like, that. And yeah. so I don't talk like that in my normal day to day conversations. And so I don't, I, even with patients, I'm, I'm a lot more laid back, especially with the, the you know, population that I work with. And I, I just wanted to, wanted that, you know, kind of vibe, if you will, um, from my podcast. So people that are like me that, didn't fit the cookie cutter mold of what you're supposed to look like as a pharmacy student could also have an avenue to keep up with information and, and hear it in a way maybe that they hadn't, haven't heard it and maybe will would help and make it click a little bit better yeah. than a, a lecture.
0: I tell my kids that we're in a very unique time right now because there's virtually no middleman. Maybe there's a middleman still for, book publishing on the big printing level and maybe there's a middleman for Hollywood movies still besides that though yeah as far as you know podcasting writing publishing your own stuff blogs all that it's a beautiful time
1: oh absolutely
0: with that said where would you have taken this energy 30 years ago before blogs before the the ability to podcast where would you been able to focus that energy? Now your energy is spread out to you know thousands and thousands of people. They all get a little piece of mic. Where would the energy go though? Thirty years ago,
1: to I guess it would have to be more on the traditional, the traditional route of like academia and publishing and things like that. But. To be totally honest with you, I, I don't know. It's one of the reasons I'm very grateful that I live in the time and yeah, of, in which we do sure. because, yeah, I don't know. Um, like you said, it's so easy now to get your voice out there and get things accomplished, whether it's you know creating music or podcast or um, yeah. even book publishing now. I mean, you, anybody can get a book published on Amazon and you can make tons. I mean, sure. it's so easy now. And it's something that if you're not sure how to do, it, you just Google it and oh, there's the answer right there for free. Perfect. Yeah. Um. It's just. It's. I feel like almost now, like. You know, this my generation and the you know the group coming up even after me, it's just kind of like it, it's so easy now compared to like how it was for like my grandparents' age of pharmacist or you know what have you, that. I almost feel like an obligation to take advantage of it. Cause it's like, they, yeah. they, I can't even imagine like having to go to like the library and like, look all the stuff up that I do instead of doing it for my couch or my iPhone. I mean, it's just, it's crazy to me how difficult things were. And, and as technology continues to improve and stuff, I feel like it's going to get even easier and easier for access to information. It's going to get more widespread. So yeah, yeah, I i don't know what that would look like. I, I like to think that I would figure it out. Um, I don't know. Uh, There's probably a lot of people that wanted to be musicians or wanted to do something 30, 40 years ago that couldn't have if they had been born 40 years later, would have been. Who who knows? And I, 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 yeah, I just basically think about it as far as gratitude. If I'm grateful that I was born when I was born and let's see how it goes.
0: You had mentioned that you like to move forward so somebody else is not moving forward in your same area you know you want to stay one step ahead of the competition and i think with social and podcasting and all that kind of stuff a lot of times when it's relatively new you can basically say i'm going to put a shiny cover on this and take a look at me just because you're looking at me and my stuff but also it's new that you're looking at the newness of podcasting and social and all that kind of stuff and that's riding my behind where the day is coming it's like you know the the newness is not there anymore and now it's going to be quality you know on top of that newness because the 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 novelness of it has worn off
1: yeah absolutely to to be honest that's something i've tried to kind of be cognizant about as I've yeah. gone through this process. I, I mean, for that reason, I, I actually don't even like edit anything on my podcast. Like, I, I literally hit record, we finish and I upload. I don't care. It doesn't matter if we mess up. It doesn't matter if we say, um, because my thought process initially was that's how I talk. I mean, you'll hear yeah. me talking about an evidence-based study that was published in, you know, New England Journal of Medicine. And I'll be saying, you know, and then you know, this dude, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and you know, in my mind, I'm like, ah, I probably shouldn't have said dude, whatever. Um, but who cares? I'll just, and I'll still post it. Because my thought was that if I'm like speaking live somewhere, and I say, um, or I say, you know, whatever, I, I don't want people to be like, have this idea of who I am, or, or what, you know, yeah. they, they see on, on the, or hear in the recording or video, and then see me live, like, who's this guy? And, and so I literally just like, I've tried to be as authentic as I possibly can to this whole process, knowing that, it's just a matter of time. But if you're not like that, you'll get exposed. Um, And and overall, just I know my intent with everything is in the right place. I know I'm not doing any of this because I'm just trying to make myself look awesome or because I want to do whatever um, or I want to make money off people or whatever. I know that's like the stuff will come along the way, but my intentions have always been just to promote education and and evidence-based medicine. And so I feel like by kind of keeping that the focus and not ever trying to paint myself in a position, you know, you know you'll, I've heard, I've said it in my own podcast multiple times, I'm like, I'm an idiot in a lot of areas. So I I don't ever try to promote myself in this way of like, Oh, everyone needs to listen to me. That's why I'm so open about, I can't believe people listen to my podcast. I'm like, you guys know like new England journal of medicine and JAMA, they have podcasts. Like what are you listening to me for?
0: <laughs> With your podcast that lends itself. Well, there's a nice combination of that coffee house feel with the very structured pharmacy stuff i edit the crap out of mine i think that guests leave the podcast after they get done recording with me and they say how the hell does that guy have a show it took them about five minutes to ask a question but then i get to edit it and it comes out i sound like a thespian
1: <laughs> yeah no and that's in most people do edit their podcasts. i probably it's probably not the right Method to not do it like I do, but it's just one of those things. Like we just kind of came up with that in the very beginning, and Cole and I agreed, and so we just kind of kept kept going with it.
0: I think that lends itself well to what you're doing. I really do because you've got the the firmness and the softness of a because, like you say, who needs it? who who needs a a medical? If you started editing your stuff too much, it's like just give me the film strips from pharmacy class. I'll just right. watch those. So that sounds like the way to go not to not to edit it
1: and i want it to be approachable too you know i i feel like so many people in the medical world are so arrogant and there's so much ego and they get themselves on this pedestal of like oh i've accomplished this i've I've heard professors say like, you know, to students, you may not like me, but you will respect me because I have a farm day. I'm like, yeah. Oh, geez. Like that, like, please don't. I mean, it's, I've joked on like, if you ever hear me say anything remotely like that, please yeah. just smack me in the back of the head. Like, I, I, hate that kind of attitude. And I feel like when, if I can do the, the respect and the, 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 all that, you know, respect of your knowledge and things that will come if you prove it, you don't have to act a yeah. certain way or talk a certain way. Um, despite, you know, popular belief, the the you know I, the students and stuff will respect you especially if you're more relatable and you don't yeah. present yourself on this pedestal like I n- never try to put myself up with students and or, or above anybody and try to act like I'm something special and I I feel like that ultimately makes you a lot more approachable for people to end up asking questions and things like that.
0: Speaking about asking questions, I heard you commenting in your podcast about. Getting a lot of feedback and so on from LinkedIn, and now you're becoming a—I forget—I think Cole called you a C-list celebrity, and you were looking for oh, something yeah. below Z or something like that. But it's kind of cool. So, but you're getting—you're getting a lot of feedback, and that's pretty cool with the feedback because you really see what people. What's podcasts are hard because there's not a real great comment section for podcasts, and so it's cool to see the social media that comes in because you can kind of see where with the questions that come in, what direction people want to go.
1: Mm, absolutely. And, and taking the time to actually answer those questions too. That's, yeah. that's the thing that blows my mind too, is when, especially when someone's like first starting out and it's like, Oh, well, you know, I don't have time to answer these three messages. And I'm like, Oh man, how are you going to be okay? Like, I mean, yeah, right. I talk to students literally every single day on Instagram, multiple students from all over the world, not just the, you know, the U.S. And I do my absolute best to answer everyone via my texting platform or email or on social because like the fact that those people have taken the time to reach out and stuff and actually listen to your content like that to me doesn't go unnoticed and i feel like that can sometimes when you start doing this kind of stuff can become like almost like a feeling of like oh i can't believe i have to answer blah 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 i'm like but that patient or that person is taking the time out of their work schedule and their education to listen to what you have to say which ultimately will in the end bring me more opportunity and more attention and stuff so it's yeah. like why would i be you know irritated about that and like or not take the time to do that or whatever to me that's a super important aspect of this whole thing is is engaging and networking and um, I've gotten some really cool opportunities that came from just a simple direct message that somebody sent me on Instagram initially
0: thinking about the podcast and I haven't monetized the podcast and I don't know if I ever will and well, it was actually my wife was in the car when she was listening to my, when she was listening to my boring 15 minutes. And she said, she said, she wasn't pressing me. She was just like, you know, someday if you monetize it, and I'm like, I said, my, cause I've got maybe five years left in the profession, you know, five, five, eight years. And I think my monetization of the podcast comes when, if for some reason I'm no longer at my pharmacy And then I'm out in the market. And I think my monetization comes with a little bit of comfort that with the podcast, compared to not having the podcast three years ago, I'm closer to writing out my career, if necessary, doing something I like getting paid for it because of the connections I made. So I can't put a monetization value on it, and it may never be a monetization value, but it might be a livable salary with a job I love if ever needed. That might be what the monetization is, I don't know.
1: Absolutely. I I agree a hundred percent. Um, like this year was the first, or 2021 was the first year that we actually like made money off sponsorships and stuff like that. But originally, like I had no interest in even trying to monetize the podcast at all. Um, and, but because of the podcast and because of the stuff through Instagram and all that you know that brought about opportunity. one and my the clinic job that I'm in now um, you know that that came about because of that the, the teaching at the physician assistant school that you know I, I never would have thought that I'd be lecturing, Period. Let alone, and if I did, I would probably I would have assumed it would have been in a uh, you know uh, farm school, and so for me to like be the only farm D on staff with a PA school and actually lecture, lecture and spend all the time with the, the MDS and PAs, it's like that that wasn't even on my radar, and so that's an opportunity which brought me a, a significant pay jump of you know when you add that onto my already my salary, yeah. and then you know the speaking engagements, and now I'm a paid speaker for. Uh, hepatitis C medication. I don't know if I'm allowed to say it or not, but um, so I'm a paid speaker for them. and uh, you know, I'm talking to a couple other pharmaceutical companies about some speaking gigs and and some other you know avenues that way that you know ultimately, I, I know I'm making a lot more money now than I did when I first graduated. And so yeah. it's hard, like you said, to put a specific number of like, hey, if you do this many episodes, you'll get this much money. But ultimately, I know, like I was saying earlier, I know one, I feel, you know, fulfilled and happy in my career. And I know that I'm uh, ultimately on paper making more money too. So it's kind of a, a win-win. Yeah,
0: you know, I'm just standing back on this, looking at you thinking, if you would have narrowed that down to a monetization slash maybe what we call a side hustle, you might be out in the corner selling flowers or something like that. You know what I mean? Because he's like, I'm going to get my buck of flower out of this. And, you know, I'm going to monetize it. And that's going to be my metric to tell if I'm successful or not. But what you have done is worth hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars with career choices and things like that. So if you you did a direct monetization, it never would have paid off for you like it is now. And what's weird is...
1: I kind of ordered. I knew that from the very beginning. There's actually a video of me on YouTube um, talking at a uh, so a conference, um, like a little like a fireside chat type conference. Um, mm-hmm. It was like September 2017, I think. I had just started core consult, and that was one of the questions. Like that one of the older like business guys was listening to, and he's like, "Well, I mean, how do you monetize all this?" I I said, "It's not about that. It's about the opportunity that creates." And he like rolled his eyes at me and just he's like, "All right," and just kind of like I left early and stuff like that. And I always kind of laugh now thinking about that guy because I'm like, you know, it's it's working out pretty well and, and. I'm real happy with the way things going, and as far as I'm, I, I feel like I'm barely even out of the driveway with where I want to go with this. So it's like the fact that I'm already having some success with, you know, whether it's financial or however you want to, you know, uh, you know, look at it. It's something that I, I like. I know it's progress, and I know like what it still could become. And so that, I mean, yeah, it, it's I, I've never looked at it as far as that that short thinking of like of, you know, oh, how can I monetize this right now? I feel that's why so many things are in the world of pharmacy in general, like re- and re- dispensing pharmacy and, and especially big chains pharmacies, are, all those things are in so, such trouble because everybody thinks about things, you know, in the moment or the, the, the one-year goals, the five-year goals. And I'm like, how do you create something new that then just can change change things up for you entirely and then make the, the money on that end versus like, oh, I'm just going to make this short-term decision. You know, I, I could have made short-term decisions early on with certain sponsors and things, but I didn't believe in the product. So I'm like, I'm going to sell this product or, or advertise this product that I think is trash and then potentially ruin my credibility in the medical field because people listening also are going to know it's trash because they're all medical professionals. And then I'm supposed to be like, oh, you know, but at least I made my 100 bucks or 200 bucks yeah. or, you know, whatever it is. It's such short-term thinking. And I feel like so many people get caught up on that aspect as opposed to, you know, I'm a much bigger believer. And even if there's not a specific way to show the financial growth in the short term, how can we open up as many different doors as possible so that financially we can choose which one we're going to walk into or multiple doors later on down the road? That's a lot more interesting.
0: I could have monetized this to the tune of a few ads in the show or something like that. But boy, you can also, I don't know if offend the right word, but you can, as soon as somebody, I mean, we all have a right to make money, but to make you know, a hundred bucks, as you were mentioning, (laughs) you know, it's like, it's not, it's not worth the interruption of your listeners for that money. It's just not worth the interruption. They start interrupting them too much and they, they go away, I guess, you know, and I'm in it for that long haul, it's not worth a hundred bucks to me to do something like that. It's, it's worth a hundred thousand in a career and a job yeah. and doing this and doing that kind of stuff, but not, not a hundred bucks.
1: But even a hundred thousand dollars, if it's something that you don't truly believe in or yes, want to, because right. then you ruin your career, especially in the medical world.
0: Well, in me, I was talking a hundred thousand as symbolic yeah, yeah, yeah. of of getting a job out of it. Yeah, you no, know, that's yeah. where a huge monetization is.
1: Absolutely, and I totally I get what you're saying. I'm just throwing that in there as well. It's like even if it was a substantial amount of money, I always right. go back to like, this is gonna be recorded forever. And, yeah. and and I'm like, I can't go back in five years. Like there's literally like, you know, I've talked to a company about potential sponsorship and I, I told them straight up, I'm like, I've literally, I can't, I've crapped all over your product in multiple <laughs> episodes and I've called it trash <laughs> and all this stuff. I, I can't, I'll be a liar. Like I, my integrity is not yeah. worth whatever you're gonna offer me. And yeah. that was for thousands. And I'm like, yeah. I just can't do it because I'll make the money eventually anyway. So I'm not gonna sell my uh, my soul, so to speak. Um, plus then it gives me the freedom of, I can really say what I believe. And then when I do sell a product, like our our, um, our sponsor Pearls that we had for the last several months, like I really truly like that app and I use it yeah. myself. So it was an easy sell because I, I like the product and everybody yeah. knows that if I don't like it, I'll be real honest and tell you.
0: I've got a few people that will probably never advertise with me. One would be the opaque PBMs. <laughs> Next on that list is maybe some of the PSAOs and maybe some of the wholesalers even. I don't think they're going to be um, knocking down my my door too soon. But as an old fart, I mean, it's like I've spent forever kind of like, you know, in the business, like, I mean, I don't always do this, but, you know, the customer's right kind of thing. I don't always go for that. But, you know, the cliche of that stuff, you know. And when I started this, it's like I'm going to give it honest. I'm going to give it, Mm -hmm. you know, as truthful and open as I can. It's like that's part of the beauty of not having a direct dollar tied to it because you're not not changing anything for anybody, really. I think people like that. Just like you're non-editing. I think they like the... Some of my non filtered absolutely griping about stuff
1: and and the people who don't like. Cool. Like, I mean, that's what the beauty of it. Like, the, the, you know, the, I have people that I'm sure don't like my style of podcast. I've heard one, some of the comments. I mean, some of them are pretty funny, but some of the bad comments we get, you know, and like how our stuff is so, you know, stupid or like or low level and all this stuff. Yeah. I, like, I know that stuff's not true, and so, but I'm like, cool. And go. That that's probably someone who needs to be listening to like a more lecture style podcast. Good for them. Awesome. I don't know why they felt the need to, you know, <laughs> spend their time writing me a bad comment, but, um, whatever. That's cool.
0: That's a sad state.
1: I mean, yeah, exactly. And I mean, unless it makes me laugh, there's been a few of them that have been like, oh, that was a good one. Um, Those are pretty funny. I'll usually read those on my podcast. But um, not to encourage anyone to leave bad comments, but just, you know, being but I I think it all comes back to that authenticity of it. Like, that's how I handle you know, like problems in my real, like if I'm dealing with something and somebody's being a complete jerk or trying to put me down, a lot of times I I do think it's kind of funny because I'm like, I can, uh, you know, I'm my, I'm my own biggest critic, but uh, you know, so there's no way they're going to say anything that I haven't thought myself anyway. And so it's like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. That was a good one. You know, good. You know, I just think I'm very, I like, I take things very you know in stride and like usually yeah. apply comedy to my own you know stuff just that's how i handle my you know issues and things and i feel like that it, it's it keeps things authentic and it keeps things kind of you know you, you know flowing because you don't care too much about like oh if this person doesn't like this like there's always gonna be people who don't like your content or have something to say
0: well if, if you don't have somebody not like it you're not doing anything yeah. then you're just putting out a you know, Wikipedia article or something like that with a computer voice reading it. Mike, the guy that told you that it was a waste of time not monetizing, if you could put yourself in his shoes, what do you think his reasoning for looking at you and shaking his head about you not going after it right away? To be honest,
1: I mean, I don't blame him for that response i mean he's he's everybody there that was that was like listening and stuff were either medical professionals or like business owners or entrepreneurs yeah. he he was you know at least looked the part of someone who was well off and things yeah. like that um carried himself in a, in a way like that you know so to speak and so he probably probably had been successful in his career and he probably had um you know been a Successful entrepreneur, whatever the case may have been, and probably a smart guy. Um, He also sitting there as a much older guy, looking who's been successful, looking at some twenty-seven-year-old just talking, you know, blah blah blah, who hasn't accomplished anything yet. So I don't blame him at all for having that response. I mean, you know, he also came up in a time where it was a very different world, and so I I don't blame him for the way he would view things or think about things. Or I hear, you know people in my own family to, like my brothers in the like in the music world and and I'll hear people say oh you can't make a living at that it's like, my brother's 11 years younger than I am. And so I'm just kind of like, eh, you really can now. It's a lot easier than it was. Yeah. Years. And so, but it's like, you know am I going to waste my time having that energy with my grandma? It's like, no. You know, she grew up through the Great Depression and all that. So it's like, I don't, ex- I don't expect her to understand how Spotify and SoundCloud monetization works. And so it's just something that I, yeah, I don't, I didn't think anything of it then. I don't think anything of it now. I just thought it was kind of funny the way he kind of like blew it off. But it, I totally understand why he did that. And I didn't take any offense to that. Like... You know, it is what it is.
0: And I think a lot of the old farts, you're too young for this, Mike, but I mean, they're dabbling in that with sitting with a microphone, speaking into a cassette tape thing where they pressed play and record at the same time. You had to press down the black button orange button at the same time. (laughs) And it went to an audience of one. They don't realize that when they look at you, they're looking at CBS, you know, or NBC or, you know, some radio, huge radio station. You know, it's like, it's a different... World, Absolutely. Talking about jobs, I got one of my daughters is, uh, she wants to be a beautician. She's always, wants to do my wife's nails. I've got a, my best friend comes over and she paints his nails all kinds of colors. He's not in a public job, so it, it works well for him. But 10 years ago, you heard about that or 15 years ago and you were like, oh, fine. Someone else is going to go to college or you're gonna, and you're going to, and you're going to be in your, your little haircutting place and you know just just smoking and having coffee with the girls in the little diner there and now it's like holy crap you know with instagram and tiktok and you know blowing it up worldwide and it's like i envy someone like that that's got a beautician goal or something like that with social media behind them
1: yeah well and and honestly like the yeah, you're 100% right for one. Like you could be, I mean, extremely successful doing something like that nowadays. It's it's so easy to get your name out there and your work out there. But even going even if it looking, even if things hadn't changed and look like the person who was the beautician like sitting in the, you know, in the the building with e-drink coffee and smoking and talking with the girls and just kind of have if that person is truly, like, happy in what they're doing, good for them. Like, who, yeah. who who am I to be like, oh, if you're not conquering the world, like, well, I, I just – I don't know. Like I said at the very beginning, like, I have no interest in, like, trying to push my workload balance or my my personality or whatever on anybody else. I like, am ultimately want someone to feel happiness and feel fulfilled like I do. Yeah. And so whatever that looks like for them, good for them. If that's not the same – I mean, there's plenty of people who are way smarter than figured life out way better than I ever will. And so, and they're happy. So good. Do, you know, do do what works. And then don't be afraid, like, if something doesn't work to, you know, say, oh, that was a bad idea. Try, you know, try something different and and pivot and, you know, whatever. I I just, I think no matter what the situation is, that's the metric that so many people just don't think about. Is like, are you happy doing what you're doing? And if you are, great. Um, You know if you're complaining about how much money you make or don't make or whatever then you need to take that into you know into account. Well, then maybe you need to do something different then
0: happiness is a big thing And you go back to it and I keep going to you know Goals and the why of this and so on but the happiness is a big thing And as I stop and look at it talking about the monetization part This makes me happy because it spreads me out makes me more secure when I'm more secure I have the potential and actually protecting my family, providing for them, and then ultimately on my deathbed, that makes me happy that I cared for the ones that were put in my care and so on. And I suppose right now, for me, it's setting up the most opportunities for that To continue and hopefully continue in a in a purposeful way, and that's and that's what you talked about. You know, starting all this because of wanting to continue it in a purposeful way that is engaging to you.
1: Yeah, and 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 I think, like you were saying, you kind of bring it back towards the you know goals and 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 career movement and things because that is ultimately what does help you to feel happiness and fulfillment. Because I'm the same way. If I'm talking to a room full of me, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit there and, and my my competitive trash talking side will be i you know i will bleed out of my eyes before i let you guys beat me at something let's go like that's that's my real what i feel for me i just know and i've gotten better at realizing that so many people are not like that and that's okay too like i just i ultimately that's what brings me happiness and that competition is what brings me happiness and so you know i i just am very self-aware about that you know in my own life but i also know that 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 life would bring Anxiety and stress and all kinds of issues for somebody else who doesn't have my personality and yep. yeah, I think you got to find out what and be really honest with yourself I think the you know having a podcast or something like that is like on a pedestal now amongst like some of the students and stuff but I'm like it, you know it might sound cool and everything but is it truly going to make you happy or provide you with opportunities that are going to make you happy or are you just doing it because it's the popular thing now to do or like the cool thing or like what you think uh, a good clinical pharmacist or whatever is supposed to be an influencer or whatever dumb term you want to use? And, you know, it, I just think too many people are yet so caught up on like what you're quote unquote supposed to do. And I just I have zero interest in that conversation of what you're supposed to do. I'm all about trying what you're not supposed to do. And let's just see how that works out. And, and like, let's just go from there
0: as your side hustle and as your secondary thing to add either extra money or extra joy to your life. It's almost like really, really focus on what you love, but then use every tool that's out there now to your advantage to grow what you love and share that with the world.
1: Absolutely. And, and making sure, especially from a medical standpoint, if, you're not really sure what that looks like. Like one, make sure that you stay up to date with information and and audit your time to see how much. Like the whole continuing education like your requirement to renew your license is so preposterously low. You know, it's if you're only doing like the fifteen or twenty hours or whatever it is a year. If that's all you've learned in a year, like oh my gosh, you need to give your farm day back. Like holy cow, like that's insanity to me that people would spend that much that little time on education I mean uh, for their own life when you're dealing with other people's like health it's like crazy to me and also when people do have that mentality it doesn't surprise me at all that they feel uncomfortable switching roles like well no kidding you hmm. I wouldn't have felt comfortable being a pharmacist if I'd never gone to pharmacy school like yeah. you know, what are you talking about
0: Switching roles, like going from one area of the pharmacy to the next. Like
1: person. I basically, for my only, I was this, this pharmacy manager for Walgreens and like overnight when I took my other job, I went to an ambulatory care position doing mm. diabetes education and hypertension management where I was just seeing patients and sending, you know, prescribing and switching meds and all that. And I did it like just one day I was at Walgreens doing the dispensing and one day I was a clinical pharmacist. Mm. Um, but I had set myself up. For the whole time I was at Walgreens, to basically when I made that switch, it was easy,
0: um, mm-hmm. and
1: you know I and I wouldn't want to go back, but I could go back to dispensing if I wanted to. I've had to fill yeah. in a couple times randomly um, over the last couple of years at our dispensing yeah. pharmacy, and um, but that transition was easy because I kept up with the information. I kept my clinical skills sharp. I kept my time, uh, you know, where I had free time to go volunteer at clinics or in, you know, working with students and things like that. I made that time available so that it was an easy transition. Same thing with like teaching. I was a teacher or I wasn't a teacher. And then all of a sudden I was a professor at a a grad school program. And, but that process felt comfortable because i had practiced so many times with the podcast and on sure so it was an easy transition and i've gotten not, i mean i've gotten a lot better over the years obviously and i hope i get way better than i am years from now but that it's not like this astronomical like problem that or this this huge mountain that you're gonna have to somehow figure out how to get over and that's it's already, by that time it's like too late so keeping up with the information and and, and basically having as many doors open as possible so that when you decide you want to switch something, that's like the most freedom, like or the most freeing feeling you could have. And like the freedom in that is, is I can't even describe to you of, of not, I feel very, very comfortable if I had to switch roles tomorrow and go do something completely different, you know, whether it would be, you know, psych or inpatient, you know, pharmacy, whatever, I could easily adjust to that, and I may have to freshen up on certain topics, but I would know exactly what to do and could easily make that transition. And there's, there is freedom in that because I don't have any worry about like, oh, what if I get burned out or this? Because I'll just switch. Or what if I, what if I, my job goes away or do whatever, I'll just switch. Like, I don't care. Like that, the, the anxiety that I would feel from like being like at a dispensing role, for example, like I, I have several of my friends that feel like they're stuck because they haven't kept up with the information. And it's like that thought of them having to sit across from a patient and now you're responsible for changing all the meds and like dosing things. And they're like, I wouldn't even know where to start. And I'm like, that, that to me would be terrifying. Like if I was felt like that, um, Because then it's like, that's like depressing as all get out because it's like, I'm just stuck. Now what? Um, And I just never, ever wanted to feel like that. And so when I'm talking to students or, you know, other healthcare professionals, or even if you're in that position of like feeling stuck, like start now, okay, you might not be able to jump into an ambulatory care or specialist role or whatever. But start the process of getting your knowledge up and give up the time that you spend binge watching some stupid show on Netflix or going to the beach or doing whatever. I mean, obviously, you need to have time with your family and all that stuff. And there's certain responsibilities. But the vast majority of people, if you audit your time very like critically, you'll find so many hours in the week that you spend doing nonsense. And that's something that I think people just aren't on it. Every time I hear somebody say, oh, I'd love to I just don't have the time, I'm like... Believe me, you have the freaking time. There's time. Yes. There's always time. And so, you know, that's, that's a long-winded response to that. That's kind of my advice is to always thinking doors open, as many doors as possible. I'm going to choose which ones I'm going to walk through or maybe multiple doors and just see what happens. But I want that freedom. I don't want someone to tell me, hey, this is what you have to do because that's all you're capable of doing. That's, to me, terrifying.
0: But the only thing I want to be attached to in life, the only promise I made in front of anybody was my marriage, you know. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of room to grow when you commit to someone and they say, I commit to you through your stupidity and things like that. There's a lot of room to grow. But to have that freedom like you set up is a great thing, you know, to be able to have those options.
1: Yeah. And And maybe it's completely in a different field. You know, my like my wife is super, super athletic and very into fitness and works out like a million times a day. She's a crazy person when it comes to working out. Like her side hustle like kind of thing would be that. I would not mm-hmm. be like, Hey, you should kinda of do a, a medical podcast like I do. She would be miserable. She'd be like, You are such a nerd, I'm not doing that. Like even and she's a farm D as well but her passion is like fitness and all that. And to be honest, and I've told her this, she's like, oh, but I could never like, not be a pharmacist because I went to school for so long, who cares?
0: Sunken cost.
1: If you're happier being in the fitness world, go do that. That's awesome, Why, who cares? You always will have your PharmD to fall back yeah. on. No one's taking that away from you. And I think that's the other thing is so many people get caught up on, well, I'm this because I went to school for this. It's like, well, there's a thousand gazillion things you can do with a PharmD. And then on top of that, Just because you have a farm D doesn't mean you can't go do something else. It always comes back to happiness because it's like, well, if you're not happy, why the who can't? If you already wasted 10 years and you're not happy, why would you waste 10 more? Like, it's going to be, you're going to, that's how you get, have a drinking problem. Like, what are are you talking about?
0: There's a lot of people that think they're in a dead end job and they think, all right, why should I commit to learning all of the clinical stuff about pharmacy because i'm gonna learn it and it may pay off it may never pay off and by the time it pays off i'm gonna forget the damn stuff i learned that was the value of the podcast for you because you could have fallen into that and that forced you to say "No, wait a minute i'm gonna be talking to the world on this this mm-hmm. is gonna force me to keep that and so i'm trying to think of other things too it's like if you're stuck in a job but you really like business stuff you know maybe find something that you have to be sharp on your business you have to maybe it's teaching a high school class on it or you know mentoring somebody or doing whatever and and the list goes on you know if it's whatever you might not be called them but if you can throw yourself out there a little bit or maybe a blog post on your linkedin you know take a stand commit to something write an article and you better know what's going on the world's looking at you
1: to kind of capitalize on and that thought as well it, it's it, people get so like forgetful when it comes to the process that they kind of went through to get to well, like, like getting their farm D or something like that. When you're, when you're in pharmacy school, you spend all your time. You, first of all, you pay them an astronomical amount of money, spend all of this time studying. Then you go and do your year of clinicals where you're working for free. But so you're like volunteering your role. You're paying to work there for free to, to, to learn all these concepts and things. Yeah. So for me personally, if I just woke up tomorrow and my absolute, passion was business of something that had nothing to do with the medical world I knew nothing about it every second of free time that I could spend or spare would be finding a CEO or a CFO or something of somebody that had a career or a a job or whatever that I thought would be awesome Um, and I would say hey I will, will work for free. What can I do, just so I can kind of watch how you go about things? And I would volunteer as much as I could, and 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 do whatever I could. So many people think this idea of like, oh, I'd love to do clinical pharmacy stuff, but I, you know, I don't have time to go back and do a residency or do this, that, and the other. It's like, well, you can volunteer at a local like, you know, clinic that does like, you know, medication management for like homeless people, or sure. you know, or whatever it is. There's tons of clinics you can go volunteer. Like, well, yeah, but I'm a PharmD. Like, I I'm not gonna do that for free. Why? No one, no one is offering you money right now to go do that job. So you're not worth that much money to go do it. So why are you fancy and you think that somebody owes you something? To me, I'm like, I'm gonna just go and volunteer because then, you know, I used to go and and help do like a guest lecture here and like do you know, some guest lectures here and you know, th- there's this, that, and the other. And it's like, you know, yeah, I didn't get paid at that point, but now I get paid for that and I get paid pretty well for doing that. And so it's like, I I wouldn't have probably gotten those opportunities had i been like just waiting around for someone to just offer me money to come speak when I had no experience and nobody knew who I
0: was. And arguably you are getting paid to go and volunteer your clinical skills. You're getting paid seven years from now when you landed that job and then you can take some of that wage you get down there and you can earmark it for what you did in 2022 for free for two hours a week, something like that. So it's what we've been talking about with the podcast and whatever someone listening to this needs to do to move forward and don't worry about the money at this point because you're going to get paid for almost everything you do. It's just going to be ten years from now.
1: Yeah, and it, and you may get really surprised, and it may be two years from now, and you're like, oh wow, that's th- there's lots of things that I do now that fell into my lap, like speaking for the drug companies and stuff like that. Like that, I never thought anything about. because no. I always, I thought I had to be an MD or whatever and a specialist. Like I, I'm doing, I started a Hep C program at our clinic, and now I'm speaking for one, you know, the biggest. Medi- you know, medication um, or pharmaceutical companies that makes one of the top, med- you know, hep C medications. I'm not an infectious disease specialist. And they came to the clinic and asked me if I wanted to do it. I didn't apply. And it's like, but I never would have gotten that opportunity if it hadn't been for all the other things that kind of led to that. Right. And none of those were quote unquote getting paid. But when I saw that contract and how much they were going to, you know, give me to speak about some slides that they made for an hour, I was like, yup. <laughs> let's do that. That's right. Sign me up up for these every night. So yeah, it's just, and it seems like to me such a simple concept that it just blows my mind. How many people just don't get that. Like, and like you said, you're like, you're getting paid. You're just not getting paid right now. And it's like, we all, we all do that when we're in school. And then the second you graduate, that mentality like goes out the window. I'm like, did you not forget what you did to get here?
0: You paid money for it and you waited for seven, eight years. And now you can do it with hardly even paying money for it, for a $10 microphone or a a keyboard to write something out or write a letter to someone or show up at some business and ask if you can hang out for an hour or whatever.
1: Right, and to be fair, you know, obviously with something like education and school and stuff like that, there's a definable endpoint that you know, once I get to that point, I'll make this money. So I I get that because that's gonna be someone's argument against what I just said, however, if your goal is to create more opportunity and stuff like that, then yeah, you may not know a definitive like timeline as far as when that could happen, but I promise you it's gonna be shorter than if you do nothing. Like if you do nothing, yeah. nothing's gonna happen unless you just get the you know win the lottery.
0: Well, Mike, if our litmus test is happiness, you say there's an endpoint for the pharmacy school, but there's enough people that get out and hate their job <laughs> that it is an endpoint but it might be a sucky endpoint you know what i mean so mm-hmm. absolutely that pulls it back of saying you don't even know that so right make what you love at least part of your day absolutely it's 2042 it's 20 years from now what does a pretty fun day look like for you uh,
1: probably a situation where i'm either going to the clinic to see patients Working in some kind of a research facility or going into a classroom to either teach or help, you know, or to kind of run lab or whatever the case may be. And knowing that I'm going to do one of those other three things the next day, like and then having each day where I can kind of do like I like so many different avenues of the medical world or different disease states and like different specialties and things. I want to have the financial freedom to be able to just not have to work at a certain nine to five um, and be able to kind of jump around where I want to you know ultimately you know I can kind of go where my interests lie and do different things throughout the week um and I'd also love to get to a point where uh you know that especially that far down the road where core consult is uh sustainable in making sustainable income that can kind of fund other ventures, and I'd love to be able to be able to get like you know a condo to where when students come on rotation with me from outside you know the Charleston, South Carolina area, they can, I have a place they can stay and, you know, that's where the studio could be. And we you know, they can come to work on, stay here and do research. If they wanted to stay in Charleston, I have a place for them. It's like the core consult, you know, uh, back cave or whatever. And, uh, you know, just have it to be like, you know, that freedom of being able to kind of do all the different aspects of medicine that I like without feeling that need of like, oh, I have to be here today. So I can't do these other things. I want to be able to jump around and, and do multiple jobs and keep it interesting
0: how many hours are you going to spend on this fictitious day in 2042
1: we'll see i guess whatever i feel like doing at that point
0: throw a number out what's a fun number hours spent in clinical stuff on a monday in 2042
1: i like to think i'm still at least doing an eight hour an eight hour day to be to you know minimum but i've already i did nine hours of the clinic today and doing this with you now and i got a whole night of me of uh of serotonin receptors and some other stuff I'm working on putting together. So
0: it sounds like you're slacking off because today you're going to put a 36 hour day in, and then in the future you're only doing eight hours. You sound like me, ready to put a foot in the grave.
1: I'm taking into account the the aging process and especially <laughs> yeah. the, the years that I've that I've whacked off my life uh, from staying up all night on Mondays. From doing I'm taking this. I'm taking that into account.
0: All right, Mike. Well, I'm going to go to bed in an hour and a half. I'm going to hang out in front of the tube and probably have some uh, cereal and slip into bed by 10 p.m. And when I wake up at 630 in the morning to take my walk, I hope you're still going strong through the night.
1: Sounds good. Send me a text. I'll tell you what's up. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Mike. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I really
0: appreciate it. All right. Thanks for all you do. Talk again. See you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Business of Pharmacy podcast with me, your host, Mike Kelser. Please subscribe for all future episodes.